Hey, everybody, Elizabeth here. Before we get into today's episode, I wanted to make sure that you know registration is currently open for our Spring Strong Foundations cohort. Strong Foundations is a five-week strength building program brought to you by me and Morgan Bungers. Coach Morgan Bungers is one of the best, most effective strength training coaches in this country. He has worked with some of the most elite athletes in the world, and now he specializes working with people in their 40s, in their 50s, in their 60s who want everyday strength. And this is not about being able to push your suitcase into the overhead compartment on an airplane. We need to be consistently and effectively strength training if we want to maintain the strength of our immune system. Muscle is a critical part of our immune system. And if we are not actively maintaining our strength, we are losing it as we age. And that means we are losing the strength of our immune system. It's also a significant component of our overall metabolism, especially our carbohydrate metabolism. Muscle mass plays a huge role in energy, in mood, mental health, bone health, so many different things. This is just not optional, but a lot of us don't do it because we aren't sure what to do. We aren't sure what not to do. We aren't sure if we're moving well. We don't know how to accommodate for our physical limitations or our current level of fitness, and that is why you need a coach and you'd be hard-pressed to find one better than Morgan Bungers. Now, here's the thing about fitness programs. I've experienced this. My mom, who's in her 70s, has experienced this, where you buy a fitness program and then you're like, okay, but I I can't do that workout because I'm not fit enough or I don't have enough balance or I don't have that equipment or that hurts my knees or it hurts my back. And then you're sort of just left to figure it out yourself, which means we often don't do anything. The great thing about Strong Foundations is that Morgan and I are part of it every single day and you have an unlimited ability to ask us questions in a group setting or via direct message so that Morgan can help you scale for you, for whatever equipment you have, for the time that you have, for your fitness level, for your body and your physical limitations. Five weeks, there's two different tiers. There's a beginner intermediate tier. There's an intermediate advanced tier. The testimonials that we have received from our previous clients will blow your mind. You can check them out and also register for your spot by going to primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. Primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. If you are an alum, if you have been through strong foundations before, I've already emailed you a renewal link with a special renewal rate. So please use that. If you don't see that email, let me know. For the rest of you, primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. We start on May 13th. So grab your spot now. You will have these workouts for life. Four workouts a week for five weeks, two different tiers. So you've got 40 workouts total. Plus, there is a five-part series on your pelvic floor. That is an incredibly important part of your physical fitness, of your strength, of your core strength, of your overall health, of your ability to maintain functional mobility as you get older. We want you to be a part of this. You will not regret joining the Strong Foundations cohort. It is an incredible community. 
everybody needs to be consistently and effectively strength training. And if you're not, it's probably because you don't know how to make it work for you. And it can be made to work for you. It needs to be made to work for you. Primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation to register now. Let's get into the episode. This is Primal Potential, and I am your host, Elizabeth Benton. Through education, motivation, and implementation, we will bridge the gap between knowing and doing so we can master fat loss naturally and help you reach your highest potential. Let's get started. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Primal Potential Podcast. It is me, Elizabeth Benton. And today we're going to talk about something that is really important. And in my opinion, it's not talked about enough by me or really anybody. And it is the foods in our diets that we might be sensitive to and we don't even know it yet. Now, I want everybody to keep in mind that, like most things, Food sensitivity is not a all-or-nothing, black-and-white kind of deal, right? I think many of us tend to figure, myself included, that if we're not allergic, meaning we don't break out in hives or stop breathing or throw up, then, you know, we don't have a problem. And that's just not true. Most of us eat foods every single day that we are sensitive to. And this does not mean, let me be clear, if we discover that you have a food sensitivity, that does not mean you can never eat it again, okay? But it does mean that we would very likely benefit in a major way from cutting it out for a little bit just to allow our body to heal and recover and let inflammation die down and then add them back in slowly and maybe with a little bit more care. So here's the fundamental premise that I want you to understand. If you are regularly eating foods to which you have a sensitivity, minor or major, this can impair fat loss. But more importantly, I mean, fat loss is really important, but more importantly, this can impair your health. And many of us think that the way we feel, if we feel kind of crappy, is just normal. We think maybe it's normal to be constipated because that's the way we've always been. It's just our body. Or it's normal to have headaches because we always get them. Or it's normal to experience bloating or have acne or rashes or eczema. Or it's normal because you're getting older to have low energy or to gain weight. And it's not normal. It is not normal. All of these things and more are signs from our bodies that something is wrong. And in many cases, and I'd argue probably most cases, it is anywhere from a low-grade food sensitivity to a pretty significant food sensitivity. And when we introduce these foods to which we have a sensitivity, they cause inflammation in the body. And this inflammation can cause hormonal imbalances, which can have an impact in terms of our energy or our metabolism, our fat burning potential, our ability to sleep and stay asleep. It could impact our menstrual cycle for the ladies. It could leave us feeling pain, joint pain, stiffness, back pain, you name it. We, what we do when we eat these foods and we either don't know that we have a sensitivity or we think that it's normal 
we, tri we trigger inflammation, this defense mechanism within the body over and over and over, sometimes multiple times each day when we're introducing a problematic food at breakfast and in our afternoon snack or at lunch and at dinner. And it's kind of like if you get a small cut on your finger. No big deal, right? It's just a small cut. Maybe it's a little bit of an annoyance, but it's not a big deal. But imagine you keep repeating that cut in the same place three times a day, five times a day, 20 times a week. Um, pretty soon you're going to lose your finger, right? <laughs> like a cut that was no big deal all of a sudden becomes a major problem. And that is what so many of us do with food, we introduce the same trigger over and over and over again, and we wonder why we can't shake the joint pain. We wonder why we always have low energy, because it's like the same small cut over and over and over again for many of us multiple times a day. But in fairness, a lot of people just don't know how to determine what, if anything, they're sensitive to, right? Or they figure it's not bad enough to merit going to the doctor and going through expensive or uncomfortable testing. And I want to argue that I don't think you need to go to the doctor for this kind of testing to figure out what your sensitivities are. Now, you might, and I'm not saying that's not the solution for some people. It absolutely is. I'm not a medical doctor, right? But if you are not sure what foods you are sensitive to, but maybe your energy isn't where you want it to be, or you have joint pain that you really would love to get rid of, or you're just not burning fat at the rate you think you should be, right? Or you have headaches, whatever it is. I wanna encourage you to take a few weeks, not the rest of your life, to cut out the major culprits and then slowly add them back in one at a time to figure out your body's response. And first of all, this costs way less and is far less painful than blood testing. Second of all, the blood testing is often very inaccurate. And really, and I say this all the time, there is no replacement for what your body tells you. And our bodies are so brilliant about letting us know what works and what doesn't once we decide to pay attention, right? Most of us aren't paying attention. And then third, this is pretty fast and easy and inexpensive, not to mention for people like me who are terrified of needles, it's completely non-invasive, and it will help you feel better fast, and in most cases, it will jumpstart your fat loss, which is always a really wonderful thing. So today we're gonna do three things. We're gonna talk about the major foods that most people have some degree of sensitivity to and why and how they cause problems. And then we'll talk about where those things are hiding, those foods, and what they might make you feel, how you might know if you have a sensitivity here. And then third, and maybe most importantly, we're gonna get practical about what you should eat instead when you decide to remove these. In fact, what I've done to help with this is I've created some sample meal plans, uh, recipes, meal ideas for what you would eat when you decide to avoid these and see how your body responds. And I'll tell you how to get your hands on those for free at the end of the show. So let's let's stay focused for now. So the common allergens or the most common things that people have a sensitivity to, and I'm going to go through these one at a time, are dairy, eggs, which might be surprising, dairy, eggs, gluten, sugar and artificial sweeteners, right? Not just sugar, but sugar and 
artificial sweeteners, and then soy and peanuts. And I lumped those together because they are in the same class. Now, there are others. There are others if you may if you Google a search for major food sensitivities or major allergens, there are others. But here's the point. When you avoid these ones, you pretty much by default avoid the other major ones. And what I want you to do is just go a few weeks if you suspect that you might have a sensitivity, and I kind of already suspect that you do because most of us do to one degree or another, and it's just a fun exercise to figure out what those are. So when you avoid these, you avoid the others. So like why stress out about naming four more when if we just focus on these five, we automatically avoid the others. So if you suspect that something is off, if you have pain or bloating or weight loss resistance, mood swings, depression, I, I am asking point, and this might seem like a big challenge, for you to eliminate all of these for just a few weeks, minimum of 14 days up to a month, and allow the point of doing this for, say, more than like seven days or something is to allow your gut to heal. Remember that small nick we make on the finger over and over and over and over again? It's not enough to just not nick it again the next day. You have to give it time to heal again because if we introduce something back into the diet without adequate time to allow the inflammation to die down, to allow the gut damage to repair itself, then we don't really know what we're doing. We don't really know if something is truly an item we're sensitive to or if we just haven't allowed enough time for the inflammation in the gut to die down. So I hope that makes a lot of sense to you guys. So let's start with dairy. And I've done a couple of episodes on dairy, specifically episode 25 and episode 128. But in those episodes, I was focusing primarily on the hormonal implications of dairy and the fat loss implications of dairy. But today we're talking about it as a potential allergen. And milk sensitivity or dairy sensitivity is about two times more common than egg allergies and three times more common than peanut allergies. And I would say most people have some degree, they fall somewhere on the spectrum of sensitivity to dairy. And there are a number of things in milk. This isn't just a cut and dry or dairy, I guess I should say. This isn't as cut and dry as saying the the offender is X. It's not. There can be a number of issues with dairy. And casein is the most common, but we also see sensitivities to lactose, the type of sugar that's in dairy products, which can also be a problem. And people with sensitivity to dairy might have acne or eczema, any any skin condition really, congestion, bloating, abdominal cramping. It could have constipation and or diarrhea, not to mention the hormonal changes caused by consuming dairy products. And for those of you who might maybe be a little bit nervous about cutting out dairy for a little bit in terms of not getting enough calcium or vitamin D, don't worry, that's not a problem because there are plenty of non-dairy foods that can help us meet our calcium needs and our vitamin D needs like Canned salmon is a great one. Sardines, leafy green vegetables, almonds, oranges have a lot of calcium. So you've got options, I promise. One thing to keep in mind, especially related to what people think in terms of dairy being like the be-all, end-all of calcium, is that dairy products are actually acidic. 
And what our body has to do all the time is regulate the pH of the, of the body. So we don't want things inside the body to be too acidic. Or on the opposite side of the spectrum, we can't have things being too basic, right? The sort of other end of the spectrum of acidic. And so one of the ways that the body controls acidity is by using calcium that we consume to balance it out. So since milk is acidic, that puts the, the, the body in a position where it has to use calcium to balance the pH of the body. So we can actually lose calcium when we're getting it from dairy products or relying on dairy for calcium because of the increased need for calcium when we consume dairy products. So I wanted to be sure to point that out. The other thing that I wanna point out related to dairy is that this is not as straightforward as just avoiding the things that we think of as dairy, like milk, cheese, yogurt, ice cream. But we also have to think about all the foods that contain milk, or cheese, or any dairy product, which is really most of our processed foods. So we cover our bases when we lay off the basic dairy products, the milk, the cream, the cheese, the ice cream, as well as the majority of processed foods. And this is not, again, forever. It is just for a short period of time to allow the body to heal a little bit. We have to. You know, we only have one body. We really need to take great care of it. And if you're worrying, like, what will I snack on without my cheese sticks? I've got you covered with the meal ideas, the recipes, the snacks, and I'm going to give you that info in just a few minutes. Now, next up that I want to talk about, and this is potentially the most controversial one that I'll talk about today, and that is eggs, right? And I personally, just so you guys know, I'm going to do this. I'm going to eliminate eggs, and the reason is I don't have a lot of dairy in my diet because I know that it is a sensitivity for me, and I don't have a lot of most of the other things like sugar, artificial sweeteners. I regularly go months without introducing those, so I know my body's response, but one that I've never personally eliminated is eggs. So I'm going to do it just out of curiosity to see how my body responds. I will be the first one to say that eggs are super healthy, all right? They can have a lot of great healthy benefits for us, but just because a food is quote unquote healthy does not mean that you don't have a sensitivity to it, right? The, just like um, nightshade vegetables that I've done an episode on before, they're healthy vegetables, but it doesn't mean that your body can tolerate them. And egg sensitivity is actually pretty common. But most people are just used to the negative states of health like gas, bloating, heartburn, and skin conditions or headaches. And when we talk about why eggs are problematic for many people, I want to point out that a lot of this has to do with quality. But it's not as simple as saying, oh, well, when I make my omelet, I'll just make sure that I buy like the highest quality eggs I can find because we have to keep in mind how many products have eggs in them and you're not controlling the quality of the eggs in those products. So I talked in episode 140 about how most of the chickens in this day and age are raised in a pretty frightening way. So the conventional eggs, not just the eggs we buy for our omelets, but the eggs used in foods that contain egg as one of the ingredients, come primarily from pretty unhealthy chickens 
who are force-fed grains and treated with hormones and antibiotics that accelerate growth and prevent illness. So when we eat these eggs in the form like we buy them in the carton or when they're added to other foods, these eggs are higher in omega-6 fatty acids. This type of fat is pro-inflammatory. It triggers inflammation in the body, which is what leads to the skin issues, the digestive issues, the metabolic issues, the pain, right? When we get eggs from higher quality chickens, like pasture-raised, grass-fed, slow-grown, they are higher in omega-3 fatty acids, which have the opposite effect. They're anti-inflammatory. So when we eat these low-quality eggs over and over again, and again, this isn't just like scrambled eggs, but all the foods on the shelves of the grocery stores that contain egg, we repeatedly trigger this inflammation, and it's like that cut on your finger. You do it again and again and again, right? And when you cut out these inflammatory triggers for just a few weeks, you allow your body to heal enough to the point where you can introduce them potentially without negative repercussions because enough healing has happened, you just need to give your body a bit of a break, okay? We can avoid eggs pretty easily when we lay off the processed foods and go a few weeks without the frittatas, the omelets, the scrambled eggs, you know, the, the hard-boiled eggs, all that kind of stuff. And I've got lots of ideas for you coming up in just a couple minutes. Next up is an obvious one, gluten, right? I don't even think that that merits a huge discussion because we've heard a lot about this one. But I'm not here to say cut out gluten because you're probably, you know, undiagnosed celiac. No, there is a spectrum of gluten sensitivity from just mild enough to pass off as the way I am to serious enough to hospitalize you with a small exposure, right? And a lot of people, like I would say close to, the statistics say, you know, 40%-ish, but I would say it's closer to 50% of people have some degree of gluten sensitivity from mild to severe. And eliminating it for just a few weeks, long enough to see how you feel when you introduce it after allowing your body to heal, right, might let you know, eh, I'm good with a little bit of gluten, right? There is a particular protein in gluten, and I've talked about this one before, both on the podcast and on the blog, this protein is called zonulin, which I think is just a, a really killer name, but basically zonulin, what it does is it makes your gut more permeable. This isn't good. Basically, this protein in gluten, zonulin, allows stuff to get through the protective barrier of your gut that shouldn't get through. And when this happens, when stuff that should stay out gets in, your body, to protect you, launches an immune response. And when it does this, this cascade triggers inflammation. And when this happens over and over and over again, it's really problematic for a lot of things. Fat loss, energy, um, mental health, pain. The other problem with foods that contain gluten, and zonulin is, is bad enough, is that foods that contain gluten also contain phytates, which I've also talked about before. So in short, phytates block nutrient absorption. So when you, contain, when you consume gluten, you create a situation where stuff that shouldn't get 
through your gut lining does, and the stuff that should get in doesn't. So the phytates block the absorption of vitamins and minerals that should be allowed to get in. It keeps them out. And the stuff that shouldn't be allowed to get in gets in. And then lastly, and this is a little bit more of a fat loss thing than an inflammation or um, allergic response kind of thing, is that gluten can lead to insulin resistance. And I talk all the time about insulin, but when we are insulin resistant, we make weight loss really hard, right? And there are components of gluten that block off your insulin receptors, so insulin can't do its job, which means it stays elevated for longer and you spend more time in storage mode and last, less time in fat burning mode. And gluten, you guys know, is all over the place, all over the place. And I think that when we avoid processed foods, we go a long way towards avoiding gluten, right? But gluten is in anything from salad dressings to breadcrumbs to most breakfast cereals, obvious things like anything that comes from a dough, bread, rolls, that sort of thing, um, pasta. But when we focus on whole foods, and I've got a bunch of really delicious, this isn't about enjoying food less, just like with the flavor challenge. This is about eating really, really, really great food. So don't let this overwhelm you. I'm going to keep it very simple and straightforward. All right, two more categories that I want to talk about. And the next one is both sugar and and artificial sweeteners. And we're coming at this from the food sensitivity standpoint, not the fat loss or cravings standpoint, although they're often linked because I've talked about on the podcast artificial sweeteners and how they can trigger cravings and the cephalic phase insulin response. But what I want to focus on today is the fact that sugar is pro-inflammatory, period. And most of my clients who have successfully eliminated sugar by minimizing processed foods, right, or following the golden rules of carbs and fat loss, both feel immediately less joint pain, less brain fog, right? They have fewer headaches. It is amazing what limiting sugar and artificial sweeteners, especially eliminating them completely for a few weeks, does not just for fat loss and for cravings, but for energy, for pain, for headaches, for hormone balance, the other part of the problem is that both sugar and artificial sweeteners mess with our bacterial balance, right? And this is a critical, critical part of health. Sugar and artificial sweeteners basically feed the bad bacteria in our body. And when you have too much bad bacteria, I mean, a bazillion things can happen, but one of, the, one of the challenges that a lot of people don't realize is when we're constantly introducing sugar and artificial sweeteners and we cause an overgrowth of these bad bacteria because we're, we're feeding them, right? We're fertilizing them. These bad bacteria can basically hijack your digestive process and they hoard too much fuel from the food that you eat. So they like hyper... Um, metabolize the food and they take too much of the calorie from the food and store it as fat. It's like they make your fat cells really greedy, right? And that is not an inflammation issue, but this bad bacterial overgrowth absolutely is, okay? So when we overfuel these bad bacteria with sugar or artificial sweeteners or both, 
we impact our metabolism, inflammation, mood, depression, brain health, you name it. And at the risk of being repetitive, because I know a lot of people are like, I can't eat anything. That is absolutely the wrong perspective to take that will not make you very happy. This does not mean you can never have these things, but you must, must, must give your body a little bit of a break and allow it to heal so that you can hear more accurately the signals that your body is sending you. And this also doesn't mean that you will be hungry. Unless you choose to be, you can be hungry, but we can eat plenty of amazing food that doesn't trigger this inflammatory immune response in the body. All right, the last category I wanna talk about is legumes, specifically soy, peanuts, and beans. Now, soy is a bad is bad news from a hormonal standpoint, and I talked about that in detail on episode 53. But today I want to focus on the allergic components, the um, immune response triggering components of legumes, okay? And these legumes aggravate the lining of the gut, which we talked about a few minutes ago. They trigger inflammation and impair your gut's ability to protect your body. I've got my hand on my stomach right now as if like I'm protecting it. But this inflammation causes the breakdown of this protective barrier and all this stuff gets in that shouldn't get in and that triggers inflammation. And this gut irritation is not just about like belly pain, stomach pain. It is about mood swings, metabolism and metabolic impairments, digestion, your ability to burn fat, joint pain, headaches. Inflammation at the gut level causes systemic problems, right? And some of the obvious soy-containing foods are like natto, soy milk, soy cheese, soy ice cream, but a lot of processed foods use things like soybean oil, right? A lot of processed foods have peanuts and peanut-containing products. So like I said, I do not want to leave you hanging with, what do I eat? What am I supposed to do? I don't know how to navigate without eggs. I have created a comprehensive list of meal ideas with recipes and snacks and all of that. If you're in the U.S. and you want to text, text the word sensitive, as in what foods am I sensitive to, sensitive to the number 33444. That's all you got to do. Open up a text message, send it to the number 33444, and all you're going to type in the message is the word sensitive. Or if you want to do it through your computer, just go to the show notes page for this episode and one question I get often is like, where do I find the show notes? And I'm sorry if I assume that people know, but you just go to primalpotential.com. Right on the homepage is a tab at the top that says podcast. When you click that tab that says podcast on the homepage of primalpotential.com, you will see all of the show notes in chronological order with the most recent episode at the top. So if you go there soon, then it's going to be towards the top. If not, you just got to search for it. Um, but all you got to do is go to that show notes page and there will be a very obvious pretty pink button where you can click to get these meal ideas and food lists. And if you have questions, just shoot me an email. All right. Now, you might be asking the question, so what happens after a few weeks without these things? Then I want you to pick the one you missed the most, right? Whether that was eggs or whether it was sugar, and I want you to add it back in slowly, as in one serving per day. And do this for, say, eh, 
a week to two weeks, and really pay attention to how your body feels, your energy, inflammation, skin health, all of that kind of stuff. If you notice negative health effects, right? Lower energy, you're breaking out, uh, you start putting on weight, you have more cravings, dial it back. Or if after a couple of weeks, everything's cool, you feel amazing, great. Add in another one that you had cut out in the same way. No more than one serving per day for a couple of weeks before you decide yay or nay. All right, so I hope you will grab that list of meal ideas and recipes to make this easier. You can just text the word sensitive to the number 33444 if you are in the US, or you can go to the show notes page for this episode, and there'll be a really pretty pink box that you can just click to get this. All right, let's wrap up with what I ate yesterday. Yesterday was a weird day. Again, I feel like the last time I did this, it was a weird day too. I had black coffee in the morning before my workout, and I felt so underfueled, like brutally underfueled, and that made me decide after my workout to do something a little bit different. I don't typically have a meal that's essentially pure fat with a tiny bit of protein and no vegetables, but I did that yesterday, and I did it very specifically because I felt the need to really concentrate fuel into my body. And most of my meals are primarily vegetables and then some fat and then some protein. And I just didn't want the volume of vegetables. I wanted a very concentrated amount of fuel. And the best way to do that is with fat. So I had a hard boiled, no, I had the deviled egg and a handful of walnuts, a slice of bacon and a half an avocado. That was my post-workout meal very intentionally. I don't do that often, but I just, my muscles felt really underfueled during my workout, so I very intentionally did that. Uh, and then dinner was cauliflower soup. Now, I have put up on the blog at primalpotential.com, if you go there and you just hit the blog tab on the homepage, uh, you will see a couple different uh, cauliflower soup recipes that I just put up on the blog Wednesday. So when you guys are hearing this, it'll be Thursday. They go up on the blog on Wednesday. So anyway, I hope you will get those meal ideas, recipes, snack ideas that you can enjoy when you go your two or three weeks without these common allergens or inflammatory triggers. Let me know how it works. Let me know how you feel. I would love to hear from you. I'll talk to you guys soon. Have a great day. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode of the Primal Potential Podcast, where my goal is not to inform you, but to transform you. And if you would like to receive free motivation and strategy and recipes, workouts, meal ideas every week right to your inbox, just text the word PRIMAL to the number 44222 or go to primalpotential.com slash join. It's a great way to get the tools, the strategies, and the practical implementation assistance that you need to create your own transformation between podcast episodes. Just text the word PRIMAL to the number 44222 or go to primalpotential.com slash join. See you there.
Grand Canyon University's RN to BSN online degree program makes earning your bachelor's in nursing possible. Balance online coursework with local in-person clinicals to position yourself for potential leadership opportunities in the time you have from wherever you are, leaving room for what matters. Achieve your goals with your personalized plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu. At Granger, we're for the ones who specialize in saving the day and for the ones who've mastered the art of keeping business moving. We offer industrial-grade supplies for every industry with same-day pickup and next-day delivery on most orders, all backed by real people ready to help. So you can get the right answers and products right when you need them. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.